Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Hey, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing this morning? Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise right where you are right now. Come on, stand to your feet. I have a word to share with you this morning, a word that God has just placed in my spirit. We've been preaching a series of messages called Crossover. And what Crossover is all about, it's about stepping out of the desert of life into the promised land. It's about stepping and crossing over into those things that God promised you. And many of us are settling for things in life when God never designed you for those things. And we find ourselves in a place, I need you to understand that, that sickness isn't a season. Being broke isn't a season. It's a condition. And God never expected or created you for that. He, God's default has been blessing. The Bible says after he created Adam and Eve, he formed them and fashioned them in his image. And he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. I need you to understand that God's desire for your life is blessing. It's always been blessing. It's always been his default for your life. And today, I want to challenge you because I really believe we are about to head in to a new thing, a new season. Come on, somebody say a new thing. See, I love the familiar. It's so good to see Ruben and his beautiful uh, girlfriend here this morning. It's also, man, we uh, the Suas are here this morning. God bless you as well, Jake. Man, good to see you guys. And then I saw uh, Brother Robert Sepulveda here as well. Brother Robert, I know I, I saw you. you where, where are you at? Wave your hand somewhere in here. I know Brother Robert Sepulveda. Knowing him, he's afraid to raise his hand too. So he's uh, he's always uh, he's always difficult when you acknowledge him. But uh, Brother Robert, good to have you. God bless you. I, I don't know about you, but let, let, me, let me just share real quickly. I love the familiar. Let me try this side. I, I love the familiar. Okay? I, I'm, and unfortunately, I, I man, I, I, we go to vacation to the same spot. It's like every year. We eat at the same restaurants. After church every Sunday, it's Santa Fe Taqueria. That's where we're going to go because I'm going to get my chicken nachos and a burrito, chicken burrito that I'm not going to eat. And so it's going to sit in the refrigerator until about Tuesday and I'll pop it back out and we'll, we'll eat it before, before it goes bad. But I don't know about you, but when I'm going somewhere that's familiar, I don't need directions. When you're going to a familiar place, you don't need directions to get there. I don't need GPS telling me how to get to a place. That's why I love the familiar. I work out at a certain time every day. If that window, if I miss it, it's going to be hard to get back out there and work out in that manner. I wake up at a certain time. I'm up at 5 a.m. Every, every, every morning or I'm doing my devotional time. In the afternoon, I work out. See, I don't need directions for the familiar. I go to the same places to eat. I, I go to vacation the same place. I hang out. I watch the same television shows. How many know what I'm talking about? Certain nights I watch certain things, certain things. At times I do certain things. You see, the problem is this. There's no surprise in the familiar. There's no surprise in the familiar. The familiar is comfortable, but the familiar doesn't bring growth. 
You might be comfortable with what's familiar, but what's familiar will not bring growth. And I'm going to just read the scripture to you. I believe that we are uh, on the verge of entering in what I call a new season. You're about to enter into a new thing. In my prayer time, I felt like the Lord was telling me, and I want to prophesy over you, that you are about to head in to a new destiny. You're about to head into a new season. You're about to step into a new time. God is about to open up doors that were never open to you before. You're about to step into a new season, a new destiny. You see, if God was going to take you to an old place, you wouldn't need direction. But because this is a new place, only the Spirit of God can... You ain't hearing me this morning. Man, over over 20-something years ago, probably about 30, I want to say about 30-something years ago, when we first entered into ministry, Babe, you'll remember this. I, I, was, I was with Bishop at a conference in Sacramento, and as we were driving back from this conference, the Spirit of God just filled the car, and Bishop and I just started prophesying to one another. Now, now, now I, I'm not one of those dudes that sees visions on people's foreheads. That's just not me. They're, they're past, that's Pastor Cat. That's not me. That's not. I'm not one of those those people that that are that are, that are really out there. I believe in the prophetic. I believe in the move of God. I believe in signs, wonders, miracles. But that's just never been me. Well, wait, wait a minute. I see something coming out of you, Dan. And this is what the Lord's saying to you right now. And I see the color purple. And God's saying royalty over your life, even though there is royalty on your life. That's just never been me. Okay. But I remember as we were driving the just the presence of God showed up and I began to quote a scripture I'd never read before. And this is the scripture, God, that this is what, what, what I decreed. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the wasteland. Bow your heads right where you are. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Everyone say new thing. New thing. New thing thing means something that has never existed before. The, The Hebrew word means new, fresh, to repair or to renew. That God is about to take you into a new direction. And I'm here to tell you, some of you in your marriage, you've been going through the same thing over and over and over again. God is about to bring about a new thing, a new experience in your marriage, in your family, in your business, and in your future. Today, in Joshua chapter 3, I want to share with you a message that I believe is going to be key to unlock some things in your life, to take you to new levels, to to, to put some demand on the Spirit of God. Joshua chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Joshua chapter 3, and I want to read what takes place here. The children of Israel, after 400 years of wandering in the desert, have come to the cusp of the promised land. They are on the other side of the Jordan. After 400 years of slavery, 40 years of wandering in the desert because of their disobedience. In fact, the Bible says this in the book of Numbers, for every day that they walked around the promised land and they doubted that God could bring about his promises, for every day they doubted, a year would be added to them of wandering. So because they wandered in the promised land for 40 days, they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. 
Come on, say it again, Pastor. I need you to understand that if that's God's timetable, how many times are we going to find the promises that God has for our life? Have they been kicked down the road because we doubted? I, I know for me personally, I know, I know I'm not as spiritual as most of you are. But there are times that I've doubted God and I wonder how, many, how long I've pushed the promises of God out because I doubted that God was able to do what God said he would do. The Bible says for 40 days they, they, they spied the land out. And because of that, they doubted God had them wander for over 40 years. Now they come to the very edge. And I shared with you last week where the word said this. God says, as you have spoken in my hearing, let it be unto you. As you have spoken in my hearing, let it be unto you. In other words, God was saying this. I don't agree with what you said, but because you said it and you were created in my image and mankind creates by the words that they speak, every word you speak creates an atmosphere that determines what can grow. Every word you speak creates a climate. Every word you speak creates an atmosphere. Every word you speak determines whether something can grow or whether it can't. That's why you come to church and you get into the presence of God and you begin to think, man, my marriage can succeed. My family can succeed. I can get out of debt. My body could be healed. But the moment you walk out of the church and you get back into your old environment, things fall apart. Because the words you speak create atmospheres. And when you come into this building and they're singing about the impossible and who God is, it creates an environment that you believe that all things are possible. Come on, somebody. So you create with the words you speak. You've heard me say this before. Have you ever seen a palm tree in Alaska? I didn't think it was that funny, but thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Have you ever seen a palm tree in Alaska? Have you seen an orange tree in Alaska? I've seen a polar bear. <laughs> you don't. Why? And yet in Alaska, you get, there's days where you have 23 hours of sunlight. So it's not lack of sunlight. It's not lack of the, 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 uh, the things necessary to bring about the growth in those things. There's just not an environment that's sustainable. So it's only daylight for a certain season and then it goes dark. Many of us, have, we go through seasons in our life where we can grow, where we can plant, where we can start something. And it begins to grow in your life, but you can't sustain that environment. Because the things you speak keep killing like weed eater, like, like just like, like Roundup. Every word you speak that's negative, you are killing the seeds that God has planted in your future. you got to watch what you decree. So I want to take you somewhere this morning. In Joshua chapter 3, we see the children of Israel about to cross over into the promised land. I'm going to be fast today, so, so stay with me. I want you to notice in verse 3, it says this. So it was after three days. How many days? Three. After three days, the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, When you see, everyone say, when you see. When you the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, the priests and the Levites bearing it. It goes on. Then you shall set out. Everyone say set out. set out. 
Set out from your place and go after it. Say, go after it. I want you to follow. There's three things I want you to see that when you are on the verge of your, your crossover, when you're about to cross over from, from your desert season into the promised land, there's three things you got to do. You got to expect it, number one. Number two, you got to leave your place. Number three, you got to go after it when that time comes. My question to you is this. How many of you want to step into the promised land of your life? That was weak. <laughs> Let me ask you again. How many are ready to step over into the promised land of your life? All right. This is the problem, though. We say we want the promised land, but we really don't. You see, in the desert, you got a pillar of fire in the evening to keep you warm. A pillar of cloud in the, in the day to cover you from the sun. You got manna coming out every morning for you to pick up. You don't have to go to McDonald's. You don't have to go to Burger King. You don't have to go to Santana Row to get something to eat. You walk out of your tent and there's manna from heaven on the floor. If you want to drink, there's water from a rock. If you want quail, God sends the quail in. Everything you need, God provides in the desert. See, y'all are clapping about the desert, but you say you want to go to the promised land. You see, the problem is this. The moment they stepped across the Jordan into the promised land, you're getting out of your tent in the morning. You're looking. See, for 40 years in the desert, they came out and there was manna on the floor. But the moment they came into the promised land, the manna stopped. You see, when you're in the promise, when you're in the desert, you get water from a rock, bread from heaven, you get a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, and God carries you. But the moment you step into the promised land, all of a sudden, the manna ceases. There's no more water from a rock. You got to dig your own well. You got to plant your own food. You got to start your own fire. You got to find your own shade. The moment you step in to the promised land, that's when the work starts. But you say you want the promised land, but you don't want the work that goes along with the promised land. You see, you cannot bring a desert work ethic into the promised land. You can't bring a single mentality into a marriage. You can't bring a high school effort into college. You cannot bring an old mindset or even a, an employee mindset into an entrepreneurial situation. See, I need you to understand something. When you get into the promised land, your enemies don't disappear. You got to fight them. Come on, say it again, Pastor. When you get to the promised land, your enemies don't disappear. You got to fight. You got to stand in front of them and fight them. So let me ask again, how many want the promised land? I call you out this morning. Let me say that again. I call you out this morning. 
I call you out in your marriage. I call you out in your family. I call you out in your business, in your sobriety. I call you out right now in your future, in your dreams, in your morality. I call you out right now that it's time to cross over. Get out of the desert in life and step into the promised land and watch God do some incredible things in your life. You see, you got to expect it. you got to leave your place and go after it. Number one, you got to expect it. Everyone say expect it. I want you to notice this. It says this. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. Everyone say when. when. I need you to understand you have a when on your life, not an if. Oh, that was good. Pastor, say it again. You have a when on your life, not an if. It's not if God comes through, if God touches me, if God blesses me. No, it's when God shows up, when God heals me, when God delivers me. You have an appointment with God today. God has already determined and established and put you down in the appointment book of heaven and said this, before the foundations of the earth, before the foundations of the earth, Christ died for you. Before the foundations of the earth, God loved you. It's already done. I don't know if you're catching this. When, not an if. You have an appointment with God. You see, Genesis 1-1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's the first thing God created? What was that? How many say heavens and the earth? Raise your hands. How many say time? And those of you that would say time are right. In the... Before the heavens and the earth, the first thing God created was time. Beginnings. It's the first thing he created was beginnings. Why? Because God knew that we would jack things up and we would need a new beginning. Oh, you think I'm, you think I'm joking? I'm not joking. God wired in, hardwired into time. God created time, but he's not relegated to it. God created time, but he's not bound to it. That's why when you pray, God, I need you to move Thursday by 4 o'clock. I need you to show up. God doesn't operate according to your watch. God created time. He's not bound by it. He exists outside of time. That's why he said, when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? In heaven it's already done. There's no t nothing holding back God's plan. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. There's no doubt in heaven. There, there's no divorce in heaven. Everything that the way it should be done is done in heaven. Why? Because God rules there. And God invited you. Everyone say invite. God invited us to be part of bringing heaven to earth. You have a win on your life. See, every, every 100 years, we got a new century. Every 10 years, a new decade. Every, every 365 days, we have a new year. Every, every, 12, every 30 days, we have a new month. Every seven days, a new week. Every 24 hours, a new day. Every 60 minutes, a new, a new hour. Every 60 seconds, a new minute. I need you to understand, God is hardwired into creation. Something called time. Beginnings. New beginning. Let, let me explain it to you this way. That means if I blew it last minute, there's a new minute that I could start fresh. 
Last year may have sucked for some of you, but do you understand that no matter how bad last year was, there was a new clock that was instituted on January 1st, that you have a new day, a new decade, a new opportunity. God has hardwired into all creation a win in your life. You don't have an if, you have a win. Secondly, he says this. He says, not only expect it, he says, leave your place. Everyone say, leave your place. There, there, there's, a, there, there's something that's so important that you need to see. I mean, I, I think you need to recognize it. It says, can you see it? Can, can, can you see your marriage whole? Can you see your family together? Can you see yourself debt-free? Can you see yourself depression-free? Can you see yourself serving God? Then he says this, leave your place. Israel came to a place called the Acacia Grove, okay? The Acacia Grove was, re- was recognized and it was referred to as Shittim. Okay, I'm not cussing at you right now. <laughs> but that word Shittim meant it was a place of scourging and a place of beating, a whipping. Now, let, let me explain it to you this way. The reason they called it that was that the bushes in the acacia grove had these three-inch thorns that were connected to them. They were the same thorns that it was believed that they made the crown of thorns for Jesus' head. These thorns were like nails. And it was a place that if you were walking in the acacia grove, it, the thorns would literally grab a hold of you and hold on to you. It was a place of scourging. And when someone did something wrong, they would literally take branches of this tree and they would whip people with them to teach them a lesson. Now, now l- listen carefully. We all have that place in life. We all have that place in life where we get the shit them beat out of us. You know it. There are certain people you hang around with and you end up getting whipped. You get certain places that you go to and you end up getting whipped. You get certain people you hang out with, you end up getting whipped. Certain individuals, you get their mindset, you end up getting whipped. You get around a certain group of people and you always know that even guys in the home, for those of you in the home, you find out that so-and-so is with someone else. You're like, oh, no, that's not good news. That's not good that they're hanging out with that person. Because the moment they hang out with them, you know that when you hang out with certain people, you do certain things. And he says, I want you to leave your place. I want you to leave that place called shit. And why? Because we all have that place where we get whipped or scourged. We all have that place where we get the shit and beat out of us. We all have that place that we get ourselves beaten down. So he says, I want you to leave your place. That word in the Greek or in the Hebrew is nakah. Nakah means to, well, it, they, they would take stakes and put them in the ground to hold their tents up. It literally means to pull out the stakes and move on. To pull up the stakes and say, I don't live here. Anymore. I don't live in that dysfunction. I don't live in this mess up anymore. This is not where I dwell. You got a nikah. You got to pull it up. You got you to get rid of the stakes that, are, that, that have been dug deep. I'm here to tell you some of you have to make a decision to leave some environments. If you can't change that environment, then leave that environment. Oh, come on. Somebody say Amen. amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, tells a story. In fact, Omaha, we're, Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. 
For those of you that watch football, there he is. As Omaha comes to help this morning, there, there's a story in the Word of God as we get ready to close. Stay with me. About a man by the name of Blind Bartimaeus. Now, you know you're in trouble when your name has become, that your affliction has become your name. Just like Deaf Danny, Addicted Andy, Adulterous Billy, Sorry, Bill. <laughs> you know you're messed up when your affliction becomes your identity. Blind Bartimaeus is what he's known by. And because he's blind, he doesn't have the ability to see what's going on. The Bible says he's right outside the gates of Jericho. And he's sitting there and he's begging for money. And he's stationed right, he has a great place right, right outside of the Starbucks of Jericho. He's right outside the gates, right there as people are coming by and he's asking for money. This was his job. The Bible says that he hears that Jesus is passing by because he can't see it. But his ears are so in tune that he has the ability to tell who's walking by. He knows the sound of kids playing because he hears the patter of their feet running back and forth. He knows the sound of a husband that's in trouble from his wife as he walks 10 feet behind her, dragging his feet, knowing he's in trouble. Knows the sound of an Armani suit coming by and the sounds of gold coins as opposed, as opposed to copper coins because his ears have gotten so attuned to the crowd and the environment around him. But this crowd that he hears today is different. He's never heard this sound of excitement before. So much so that he starts asking, what's going on? What, what's happening here? And he hears him say, Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. And he's like, wait a minute, I've heard that name. I heard that he raised Lazarus from the dead. I heard he gave sight to other blind people. I heard that he even healed the lepers and he even multiplied food to give other, food to other individuals and he walked on water. This is my chance. And the Bible says that he begins to stand up as the crowd's going by and he yells out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd looked at him and told him to shut up. Be silent. And the Bible says he cried out all the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, you got to catch this. Why did they try to silence him? Because the people in the crowd that were, that were walking around, they were all excited that Jesus was there. But the problem is there are people that are more excited about being part of an event than they are about touching Jesus. Yeah, I'm with Jesus right now. We're, we're, we're at the... He's coming by right now. Let's get the selfie. Make sure we get the selfie of Jesus coming by. Now hanging out with G. Hanging out with the J thing. That's right. That's right. Jesus is coming through right now. And so they're, they're more excited about being part of an event. And as Jesus cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me, they told him to shut up. Why? Because they knew Jesus as a teacher. They knew him as a healer. They knew him as a prophet. 
as a man of God, as a scribe, as a good man. But son of David was a messianic term. Stay with me, Josh. Was a messianic term. And the Jews believed Jesus was a prophet, but not the Messiah. It took a blind man to see what the crowd of people around him could not. Only the blind man could see who Jesus was. Only the blind man understood who Jesus was. And when he said, Son of David, have mercy on me, the, the creator of life, the Son of God, literally stops in his tracks and says, someone knows who I am. When you know who God is and you cry out and you speak to who God is in your crisis, God will stop and say, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, come on, somebody, you got to grab this. The very people that told him to be quiet, Jesus says, bring him to me. Wouldn't it make more sense for Jesus to go to the blind man? Than to have a blind man find him in the crowd? <laughs> How many know God doesn't always make things easy for you? Amen. God, you want me? No, notice what he does. Nihon, can I borrow your sweater? Thank you. It's a nice sweater. In the, in the Roman culture, in the Roman government, you couldn't just go out into the street and start begging because you were poor. Couldn't do it. The government issued you garments. And if you had this garment, it gave you the right to beg. It gave you the right to be out there asking for money for people because it, they, they regulated how many people could be out there by what was given to them. And as long as you had the garment, you could be out there and you could beg. Catch this. When he, Jesus calls Bartimaeus, the Bible says, read it, he takes the garment and he throws it aside and he leaves his place. Come on, everyone say, leave your place. You see, this garment gave him the permit to beg. You missed it. It gave him the permit to beg. It gave him the right to beg. It gave him the right to live off the pity of other people. But there comes a point in your life where you got to make a decision. Do I want to live by pity or promise? Do I want to live by the pity of man or the promises of God? And he says, I'm not going to need my permit anymore. I got a permit. When my daughter died of leukemia, there were times I was angry at God. I wanted to sit on the side of the road and say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to move forward. I got a right to beg. I got a right to have pity from people. But if you want the blessings of God, you can't sit on the roadside begging. You got to get rid of your permit to beg. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. You can't walk in the promises of God while also holding on to the pity of people. 
he cast aside his permit to beg. I'm not going to need this anymore. He threw it aside and he left his place. He left his place of begging. I want to challenge you. Leave your place. As I close, I want you to see this. You can't reach your promised land until you leave your place of comfort. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to go into some places that are uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable leaving our home in Manteca to come here to San Jose. I was born and raised here, man. I swore I would never come back to San Jose. Too much traffic. Houses were too expensive. I am not coming back to my old hood. How many of you know when you say never, God says, we'll see. <laughs> I want you to stand to your feet as we close. Take a, take a look at this, the final thing. He says, go for it. Everyone say, go for it. Don't miss your opportunity. That word means to proceed, to move, to go forward. But I want, you to, I want to read Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. In fact, I want you to read this with me. Make sure you keep a proper distance between you and it. Talking about the Ark of the Covenant. About a mile, uh, about a half a mile. Be sure now to keep your distance. That doesn't make sense. Doesn't God want us to draw close to him? To be close to him? And here he's saying, keep a don't get too close. Why? It says, and you'll clearly see the route to take. The last part's the most important part. You've never been on this road before. Amen. Let me say that again. You've never been on this road before. Where God's about to take you in this new season, you've never been down this road before. So you can't get ahead of God. You got to let God lead so you can see where God's going. And when God makes a turn, you have enough time to make an adjustment and make that turn as well. The problem is when we start going in a certain direction, we think things are going good. Okay, God, I got this in my relationship. I got this in my marriage. I got this in my finances. I got it in my family. I got it in my business. God, God just take it. I'm going to drive right up next to you. I'm going to get ahead of you a little bit because I think I know where we're going. You don't know where he wants to take you. You don't know what he's about to do you don't know where he's gonna lead you so don't get ahead of God God's about to take you to places you've never been before I prophesy that over you right now some of you have so many aspirations but because of the things that are going on around you right now, you're beginning to think that these promises have an expiration date. The promises of God do not have an expiration date. Whatever God promises, God will perform. You've never been on this road before. God knows the way to healing. I said God knows the way to recovery. God knows the way to salvation and restoration. God knows the way to your victory. God knows the way to blessing. God knows the way to your breakthrough. God knows the way to your increase. God knows the way that he needs you to go. So if we're going to cross over into the promises of God, 
you got to stop getting ahead of God. Expect it. Leave your place. And then go after it. Bow your heads this morning. Father, we pray for every heart, every mind, every spirit that's here right now. Lord, I thank you for the generations that are represented here. Although there may be a handful of people here right now, my God, the generations represented here are millions, literally millions of people that are represented here. Lord, I pray right now, my God, that we would expect. I got a win, not an if on my life. I got a win. You, you promised me, God. These promises are mine. All the promises are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. Lord, I expect it. I expect you to move. Lord, I'll leave my place. I'm willing to leave the place where I'm getting beat down and beat up. To leave that environment, my God, and then go after your presence in Jesus' name. You're here right now and maybe you're separated from God. You're not serving God the way you need to or should. And you're just, there's a stirring going on right now in your spirit. I'm going to count to three and have you lift your hand in the air. And I just want to pray with you this morning. So that you would make a decision to become a follower of Jesus this morning. Ready? One. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once, then comes judgment. Two. Search your heart right now. Why run from God when all he's going to do is love you when he catches you? As I say this final number, left to right, front to back, I want you to lift your hand in the air. Ready? One, two, three. Yes, God bless you. 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 Hands going up all over the place. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, yes. I just want you to say this prayer. Let's make this declaration together. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I trust you. Forgive me for getting ahead of you. I expect a move of God. I believe Jesus died on the cross, rose again on the third day because he loves me. I make a choice today to become a follower of Christ, to turn my back on my old life and to do things your way. Lord, I'm expecting a new thing a new season, a new direction, new blessings. Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for every person that said that prayer. The Holy Spirit, that you would fill them right now, my God, to new measure. As we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, Lord, as we celebrate, my God, the 50th day after Easter, Lord, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, Lord, we recognize that without you, we are nothing. And we need your spirit to fill us this morning. Come on, lift your hands all over this place right now. Spirit of God, fill us. Lord, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, Lord, let it dwell inside each and every one of us today. Give us that spirit, my God, for business to be creative. Lord God, to give that sales presentation, to lead my family, my God, to raise my kids. Lord God, to come up with remedies and plans and, and visions. Lord, I pray right now, my God, I expect it. I will leave my place and I will go after it. Lord, I trust you today. I trust you, God. I get rid of my permit to beg so that I can walk in the promises of God today. Lord, no more complaining, no more whining. Lord, let us create an atmosphere where miracles, signs, and wonders can take place. Lord God, right now, 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise this morning. As we get ready to close, we're going to open up the altars. If you received what you needed from the Lord this morning, God bless you. But we have dots here at the altar so we can pray for those that need prayer. Uh, for those that, that received what you needed, God bless you. So great to have you. Sua family, God bless you, man. It's so good to see you guys. Uh, always good to see you. Um, but for those that need prayer, we are welcome to come up to the front so we, the pastors and our ministry teams can pray with you. For the rest of you, God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Pastor Nick will be preaching next Sunday. Great word that he preached a couple years ago that I asked him to preach again uh, this Sunday. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Remember, love God, love people, and let's change the world. God bless you. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.